You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. We wanted to share these baptisms with you that uh, occurred recently. Uh, Nate and Eli got baptized on Wednesday, and it was awesome. The the children uh, and the children's ministry all came in, and and the youth were here, and the parents, and and we uh, got to see them baptized and see Eli's witness to to be an example for all of us to go upstairs instead of downstairs, right? And it was it was just a great time. And then Madeline, Madeline uh, accepted Jesus at Camp 412 this summer. And and she told her mom, and, and her dad, is, or her grandpa, is a pastor at a small rural church. And so they wanted to have her baptized by grandpa at grandpa's church. And this is a cool story. Uh, so Madeline went there and was baptized that week. That church hadn't had a baptism in five years. So it's been a long time since someone was able to come and, and profess their faith in front of everyone. And so Madeline came and did that, but the coolest part of the story is two weeks later, two other people came forward and got baptized because of the example Madeline set. So isn't that awesome? That's very cool. So we clap for the others, we clap for those two. Because it was just a beautiful, beautiful illustration of what the church is. It's this one body. It's not discovery or, or the church down the street. It's all of us united. And so uh, this morning, our text, it, it seemed uh, oddly appropriate for this day. And today is uh, obviously the anniversary of 9-11. And so when that tragedy happened, it was so interesting to live through that and see our country come together. To see people supporting one another, caring for one another another, coming together as one. Oh, here's a side note. So we're going into Ephesians, and so I came across this this week online. So this is the basic outline of Ephesians, or all of Paul's books. Uh, You have the open, and then he thanks God for them, and then uh, hold on fast to the gospel, and then for the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. And then, by the way, Timothy says hi. And so we're going through Ephesians, and this is kind of the outline of where we're, where we're going. But um, this, uh, this date, 9-11, was the, this tragedy, but we saw a country come together. And then on September 11th, 11 years ago, was the birthday of, the, of Discovery. Uh, Discovery Church started on that day, and so it's turned 11 today, and so, which is exciting, yay. Um, a little worrisome, because the teenage years are coming, and we don't know how that's going to go. Um, and so once puberty hits this place, you know, knows. And so, um, but it's exciting. It's a great day, but it's a neat day because our scripture is talking about unity. It's talking about people coming together. It's talking about the church, and it's so much more than discovery. And so when we talk about the church this morning, we are not talking about this place. We're talking about God's plan and God's plan for the body of Christ. When, uh, when I was in youth ministry, we went on mission trips every year, and I took uh, the you know, students, the high schoolers, college students, to, often to Costa Rica. And there would be one day where we would go souvenir shopping, and we would take them to the same little souvenir, uh, like, series of booths. And so there's only so many times that I can go in there and, and purchase a poncho or a hammock that disintegrates when we get home. And so they got to the point where I stopped going in the souvenir shop, and I just kind of sat outside. And I would watch this artist 
artist. He was there every year, and this was his little station, and he would make art on the side of the road. And he would have a canvas, and he would begin painting, and people would walk by, and some would slow down and stop, and mostly people just walked by, especially at the beginning. He would take the canvas, and he would take a white and a white canvas, and, and just splatter it with paint of some sort. Sometimes it was like a blue and a green, uh, and, and it was just the background. And people would walk by and see, and they weren't very impressed. They didn't know what was to come. It was, it was a mystery of what was to come still. And so they would just walk by because it's just a, some green paint on a canvas. But then he would slowly begin to add some detail, and along the side he might add some pink flowers. And slowly everyone, people would slow down a little bit because they'd see an image coming, and they'd see these pink flowers, but very few ever stopped. And so as he continued to work, he would get these, these flowers detailed, and I just sat and watched him as the people went by, still not sure, not knowing what the final product would be. It was still a mystery to them, and no one bothered stopping. But then he would get to the point where he would add a, the focal point, the image, on top of this background that he had. And, and I would guess what it is, and I and in my mind had various ideas, but it, it rarely was what I would picture. And it would be something beautiful that I wouldn't have even thought of, well, like, like this bird. And it would be this hummingbird, and i think, oh man, that's great. And at this point, more people are stopping because they see this image, and they see him painting it and creating it there in front. But it wasn't until the end when he would add the details. He would go in and add the extra colors and the extra, the details of the eyes and so forth that you would see this beautiful hummingbird almost come to life on this, on this canvas. And at this point, there'd always be a crowd gathered because the mystery was now revealed. Everyone knew what the image was. Everyone saw it being made. And he would then in Spanish say, who would like to purchase this? And there would be a little bidding war. It wasn't ever extravagant, the amount. But people would offer different amounts of money to be able to purchase his painting. And you would see the pride in the person that walked away with the painting. Uh, and uh, as they walked away, because they not only had this painting, which was, was beautiful, but more because they saw it painted. They saw the artist. They were there to experience when the mystery was revealed to be this masterpiece. And so this is the, similar to what Paul is sharing with us in Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or your journals, I want to encourage you to open it. If you can bring it up on your phone, if you don't have any one of those, open that app. We'll also have it on the screens. But I want to encourage you to engage in the scripture yourself, to, to hold it there in your hand as we go into Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to see this idea, this mystery of what God had in store for the church long ago. And we're going to see this revealed, and as slowly revealed as that picture was, that the people at the beginning, they missed it because they didn't know what was coming. But as the details emerged, more and more people stopped and were in awe of the artist and what he was creating. We have this study in Ephesians, and Paul is writing to the, to the church in Ephesus. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we looked at chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, you, For you are God's masterpiece, created to do good works through Christ Jesus, long, planned long ago. That this is who we are. And we talk that it isn't about us, it's about the artist. That's what's important, and that God had created great plans for you and I to be part of his kingdom and to expand his kingdom and to bring others to God. And as, that, as we do that, we are his masterpiece. Then last week we looked at Jesus has come for all people, for the Jews and the Gentiles. And now this week we're going to take this idea one step further and see what is to come. 
That Jesus came and died. That we have the Old Testament and we have Jesus. And then we have this period of the church. This period that Paul calls the mystery. And so Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Paul is letting them know, if you don't know this, he's writing this letter from, uh, from, as a prisoner in Rome. He's under house arrest awaiting his trial uh, before Caesar. And in house arrest, he's able to go about his functions during the day as long as he stays in this home. At night, he's chained to a prison guard to make sure that he doesn't sneak out in the darkness of night. He's under arrest. And so he doesn't share this to wine that, that, he, that he's ca- held captive. He's sharing this that he says, not because I'm held captive by the Romans, but for Jesus Christ. He's saying it's worth it. Everything that's going on right now in my life is worth it for Jesus Christ. And he says, for, uh, he says, for the sake of you Gentiles. See, this is what upset the Jews the most as he began to preach this message that God was there for the Gentiles too. This is what ruffled their feathers and got them to arrest him. And so it's for the sake of the Ephesians and the other Gentiles he's been reaching out to that he's been arrested. And so he opens it with this. Not whining, but saying, this is significant. This is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Now, I just want you to know, I'm not, I'm not going to hide from this. Uh, when I get into Paul's letters, some of them are a little hard. Some of them are complicated. Some of them, you guys might probably read them and you're just flying through them and they all make sense because you're a lot smarter than I am. But for me, some of Paul's letters are complicated and I got to dive in and, and read over that sense multiple times. Sometimes look at another translation. And so if maybe you're tired this morning, you've been at Rhythm and Roots all weekend and you just need this unfolded, or, or maybe you're just a little slower on Paul's stuff like me, then we're going to kind of unfold this, look at some other translations as we dive into this. This idea of the administration of God's grace. There's another translation that says the dispension of the grace of God. That he's dispensing this out to, to the Ephesians. I really like the message version. It says, I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everyone. I like that. That you might be familiar that I was included in God's plan that the gospel's for everyone. It's for everybody. And we're about to see that as he, he explains this further. Verse 3 says, That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. He makes sure to point that this mystery is made known by revelation. This is not Paul's mystery. This isn't something that Paul came up with. This isn't something that he has created. This was re- revealed by God. And we're about to see, and Paul will illustrate, that this has been a revelation that's been coming. This idea that it's being revealed to Paul is being revealed throughout time. As we look back at the scriptures, we'll see that this revelation of this mystery, as Paul calls it, has been revealed slowly. Verse 4. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations and has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. In English, this idea of mystery, right, is usually like this dark, it's a secret, it's something obscure. But in Hebrew, the idea of mystery was still a secret, but it was one that was meant to be discovered. 
It was one that was meant to be revealed. It was one that you encouraged someone to dive into, to try to figure out, to, to unfold. And so there's this mystery that is intended for the people to, to pull back the layers and understand this truth, this biblical truth that's to be made known. And the Holy Spirit plays a part in that. Jesus came and died and rose again, and in doing so, said that he would send, send the Spirit to help us. And the Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit comes, and through the Spirit, this mystery is being revealed to us that, that has been God's plan all along. Verse 6, we get to see what, the, what is this mystery. It says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. For you and I, this might not seem like a crazy concept, but at this time, it's huge. Because at this time, for both the Jews and the Gentiles, this statement is big. For the Gentiles, they're saying, wait, what? We can be part of that Hebrew God's people? That there is this plan and it was intended for us too? That we were always meant to be included? That this was God's plan? That we would be heirs because of through Christ Jesus? For the Jews, this was a giant statement because they see it as, no, the Gentiles are a different people. We are God's people. And we have been sacrificing and we have been following his laws and following his rules for years and years and centuries and centuries. That's not meant for the Gentiles, but their eyes need to be opened that Jesus came for all sinners. And so just like the Gentiles, they too have fallen and sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so whether they've been working hard at it or not, they are sinners just like the Gentiles. Whether they've been pursuing God their whole life or not, the Gentiles who are just now discovering this all earn salvation because of what Jesus has done first for them. Through Jesus, not by our works, but by the works of Jesus, that they can obtain salvation. And so this is a big statement for both the Jews and the Gentiles. And so this has been, uh, this revelation has been coming for much of time. And that's what Paul is saying, this is revealed to me by God. But this has been his plan. This is important for us to see that this revelation of the Gentiles and Jews being united under Christ is not a new thing. In Acts chapter 11, Peter, remember, has that, that vision where the cloth comes down. And on that cloth are clean and unclean animals. The Jews saw that there were some animals that were unclean that they should not eat. And God tells Peter, go ahead and eat. There is neither clean or unclean anymore. There is neither... Uh, Jew or Gentile. It's this revelation to Peter that, he's, that God has come for the Gentiles as well. But it goes back further even when Paul says the, this has been revealed to the, not just to me but to the apostles and the prophets. Isaiah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. Chapter 49 verse 6, it says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
One person from first hour uh, came to me and he's a flat earther and he's like, the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? I don't think that's the point that you're supposed to get out of this message. I do think the point of this message is that Jesus came for all people. For yes, Israel and Jerusalem, but also Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That for all of us, we are to find salvation through Christ Jesus. And so Paul continues on in verse 7. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Our family, we did this Ephesians Bible study on, on Right Now Media. If, if you don't have Right Now, go on our website. You can uh, get it. It's free for you. It's awesome. It's, it's like the Netflix of Bible studies. And they got this great kids page. And so we were doing the kids study on Ephesians. And I loved what they, uh, this little turtle, an elephant, uh, shared with my kids and I and, and Sarah. That Paul is saying this has been a gift to be able to give this gift. That Paul feels like he has received a gift to be able to tell others about Christ. That even though it has led to his imprisonment, even though it has led to, uh, to times that he's been stoned and beaten and shipwrecked, even though it's through all this, he still sees it's his gift to been able to give this. If you've ever led someone to Christ, you know that is true. Maybe it was your child or a coworker or a student or, or someone in your path that, that you've seen their life change and, and you've been part of that. That they've come and accepted Jesus Christ and their eternity is changed forever. You know the gift Paul's talking about. This is a gift to be able to share this. And so Paul's excited about this. Paul shares this excitement that it is his gift to be able to say there's no longer Jew or Gentile, but together they are heirs to come together. So he's writing this church in Ephesus that has a small Jewish community which he started ministering to when he first arrived in Ephesus. And then it branched out to the Gentiles and he's been reaching out and preaching to these people and this church has grown and is beginning to grow and, and they're interacting with other Christian churches in more Jewish areas and he's saying there's no there's not a Gentile church and a Jewish church. You two churches are one church. We are one body. There's not this separation that we so often think. That, there, that we are all one in Christ. And so the same idea. This church in Ephesus that was one body continues on 2,000 later, years later to this church on Bethel Road. To Discovery Church is, is part of this same body. This one body, but it's not about discovery in any means. Because we are not any more part of the body than the church down the road and the church uh, across the state line and the church down across the country and the church in another nation. That we are all God's body. This morning as a worship team, we, we prayed before first service and, and we lifted up this prayer for our service but for the service of the church down the street. And the services that are going to happen, that get started in about an hour over in Nashville, and the, the churches in a couple hours in California, and then the churches several hours from now in, in Hawaii, and the churches that are across the nation and across the world that are coming together to worship God, to hear his word, people that are accepting Jesus for the first time, people like Eli and Nate and Madeline that are going to get baptized into the body of believers, a celebration that we are all one body, neither Jew nor Gentile. This was God's mystery. This was God's plan. Verse 8 
continues, although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. This is even, he says, even though that I, I don't deserve it, it's been a gift to me for them to have this boundless riches of Christ and to be able to encourage them to go and spread this message. To go and have this gift that you are giving and receive, that this is a gift you receive as you give it away. It's this idea that you, you hear about it on the, the radio station of pay it forward, right? That you go through a drive through and, and you pay for not only your meal, but the, the person behind you. And when they pull up, they have the opportunity to be blessed that they weren't expecting. And oftentimes that person will then uh, pay for the person behind them and you'll have this little chain. And this idea when you come up to the window and you find out that the person in front of you has blessed you with this idea of paying it forward, some individuals will then do it again out of a sense of necessity or compulsion that this idea, well, someone did it for me, I'll, I'll do it for them. Uh, to be perfectly honest, that's probably where I fall more often than not when the few times it's happened to me, it, it's more of a, well, I guess I got to do it too. But some people will do it simply because they like just to be nice to strangers. Other people will do it because they're excited to share their blessing. That they're excited to say, I got five extra dollars, I'm covering the person behind me. Tell them, have a good day. And they, those are the people that start these pay it forwards because they're just excited to share this blessing. They're excited to spread this. It's a gift to be able to give this gift. This is where Paul would fall. He would fall in that third category. That it's this opportunity he has. And he's so excited and he wants them to be able to go and tell other people. He wants the church in Ephesus to go and share this message. To be able to tell everyone about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm not worthy of this, but God chose me to do this. A lot of us might feel that same thing. I'm not worthy of this. That I've heard people say, I, I can't teach in the, the children's ministry or the youth. What if they ask me a question that I don't know? I'm not worthy to do that. I don't know the answers. Or they say, oh man, if you knew that my backstory, you'd never want me to be part of leading a small group. We got this idea that we're not worthy. It's the same thought that Paul had. But it's not about us. It's not about it, us. It never is. It never has been. It's about God. And God has chosen Paul to be able to do this. And God has put us in the opportunity to, to share with that coworker, or that student, that neighbor, or someone in our home the love of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ. And so we have this story. This, this story that there's this mystery of the church coming together. That the walls are torn down and that we're all one body to find and be the example in the body of Jesus Christ. And Paul continues, verse 9, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, for which ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Point here is that this was always God's plan. I think that's important. Because so often we look at that the Gentiles was plan B. That God came for the Jews and the Jews kept rejecting him and he gave him chance after chance and finally he's like, all right, we'll send Jesus. The Jews killed Jesus. And so they go and, and through Paul ministered to the Gentiles. No, no, no. This was always God's plan. Paul is making it clear that this has been the, the revelation that's been coming for all the time. That this is God's plan that Jesus died for all of us. For all people. That this was, that Jesus would come for everyone. 
this was his plan to die and to save and bring salvation to this church in Ephesus. That he's writing this letter to these specific people that he knows are his friends, that he built a relationship with the two years there. And he's saying this was always God's plan that you would be part of this family of God. And God preserved these words for you and I to be able to read them and to know that this was always God's plan for you to be saved. That he sent his son Jesus long ago that you would be able to be saved. That if we are to have faith in him, faith that he died and rose again, if we are to place our faith in him, that we would find salvation and eternal life, this was God's plan. And so I encourage you, if you've not made that decision, to come talk to one of us, to come see us in the prayer room. Let us walk you through, because this was God's plan for you all along. This is God's plan for each one of us. This is why he sent his son, that we would live with him for eternity. Verse 10 says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like I said, some of this stuff, it gets wavy, right? Well, that I got to dive into it, but I really like the message version of this passage. Verses 8 through 10 of the message says, So here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, and inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Though followers of Jesus like yourself gathered in churches, through followers of Jesus like yourself gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. I love how he illustrates this from the same passage, but he's saying that as you've come together in the church, he's writing to Ephesus, as, he, as the angels see these Jews and Gentiles coming together, worshiping together, getting rid of this, these walls that have been erected, and saying, let's get rid of those, and let's just be the body of Christ, and let's go serve, and let's have communion with one another, and let's care for one another, and let's support one another, <coughs> and pray for one another, and be there with one another. The angels are looking down and seeing this mystery that's been revealed. This was the plan all along. There aren't any Jews and Gentiles. They're all one body. Verse 12 says, In him and through, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul just throws out this extra sentence and it doesn't seem to fit, but it's so significant that we got to stop there and see that this is an important thing for the Jews. This idea of being to, able to approach God is completely foreign. God has always been set apart. God has always been set apart in the Holy of Holies, this part of the temple that no one can go into except for the high priest. And only the qualified even get close to that part, to the Holy of Holies. And there's, there's a court, and then another court, and then another court, and then another court. And depending on who you are and, and your status, you might be able to get closer, but you never get to God. And for the first time, these walls are torn down. And Paul is saying, you have freedom to approach God. For the Gentiles, this is even bigger. Because it's always been the Hebrew God. This isn't our God. But Paul is saying, you have the opportunity to approach him. This statement is big for the church in Ephesus. And for you and me. Because we have this relationship 
This is what God intended. Remember, he says that this was revealed. Throughout Ephesians, there's much language that this was always the plan. That, that there's idea was always in place. That God wanted a relationship with you. He wants to be able to walk with you, to cry with you in the hard times, to hold you when you're struggling. That, that when you're angry, maybe angry at God because of the hard times, he can take it. His shoulders are big. When you're celebrating because of good things, let him celebrate with you. It's this idea that Paul is sharing that we have this relationship to approach Jesus. This is a big deal. A big thing that's a change. And as we approach Jesus, we'll be able to experience these ideas. There's a prayer that Paul has for the church in Ephesus in the later part of chapter 3. And we're going to close our service today with those verses. But in those verses, it talks that by approaching God, we can see, we can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That we can grasp God's glorious riches that strengthen us. That we would dwell in our hearts, the Spirit is within us. That we would be filled with the measure of all fullness of God. As we approach God, we experience that. Finally, Paul closes with this. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. It was the bookends that he says, yeah, yeah, I'm in prison. But don't worry about it. It's so worth it. Because this was God's plan. And I got to be part of his plan. is bringing people together and bringing them closer to God and preaching to you Gentiles that you would have a relationship with Christ and that your eternity is set. This was a gift to me. And so I want to encourage us to have that same mindset. That this is a gift that we have. We have first been given this gift of Christ, this gift of salvation, this gift of forgiveness and of grace and mercy. And then we have this gift to be able to share with others. And so on the back wall, it says, go and be the church. And every time, week when you walk out, you walk out through that. And this idea is the church is not this building by any means. This message is not about discovery. If discovery never existed 11 years ago, the God's story would still go on. This is not about Discovery Church or the, the church down the street or the church down that way or any one building. This is the story of God's people. And so I want to encourage you this, this week to go and be the church at your work. That co-worker that's just a jerk to everybody and everyone just treats them poorly back in return. What if you treated them with love? What if you treated them as Christ would love them? What if you turned the other cheek? That student that, that seems to be struggling all alone, sits by themselves, what if you were able to take them under your wing and care for them this week at school? Perhaps you need to go and be the church in your own home to, to your kids when you're, you're short-tempered and tired from work or, or maybe when you're fighting with your spouse. It's time to be the church in your marriage and to love on them. And let God's love and Jesus' love bridge the frustration and the anger that's, that's been brewing. To go and be the church. It's not a building by any means. It is the body of Christ. It is the mystery of Christ. It is the plan that God has been revealing all along. If you'll pray with me. Lord, I pray that we can go and be the church. 
that we would go and and be able to spread the good news of who you are, spread the gospel. God, that if there's someone here this morning that has not accepted you as their Savior, let them do so today, the greatest decision they'll ever make. Because this is what you, you died for each one of us. This was the plan all along. Jews and Gentiles, Ephesians and, and Tennesseans, and everyone in between. God, I pray that we can go and be the church this week. That we would not let church names and buildings separate us, but that we would love our fellow brother and sister that goes to a different congregation as if they were our own. That we would clap and celebrate when, when someone gets baptized here, just as we do when they get baptized at Madeline's grandparents' church. God, I pray that we can be united with one cause, and that cause is to bring you glory. Let us go be the church in our workplace. Let us be the church in our school. Let us be the church in our home. In your name, amen.